never as a young chef I think I underestimated myself quite a bit being usually the only female within the kitchen um, and push and it's the want to learn that's what I'd say to a young me is just keep pushing because you will get there. Welcome to another episode of the Burnt Chef Journal hosted by myself Chris Hall the founder of the Burnt Chef Project. This week's guests are Peter and Laura, who are a husband and wife team. Uh, They own a couple of businesses within the hospitality industry. And they join us this week to talk about their experiences with mental health. Laura talking about her own experiences with mental illness as a result of an operation, and also their journey into hospitality and what it means to them working with team members and making sure that their team are healthy and happy as well. A very open and honest conversation, and, a, and I really hope that you enjoy this week's chat. Lamb Western are your partner in potatoes. We're a leading global frozen potato manufacturing business with a wealth of experience in offering a portfolio of high-end and quality products on a consistent basis. We supply the pub, casual dining, QSR sectors. We believe in well-being free potatoes and we are very proud to support the Burnt Chef Project, here to offer our support and help for those that need it and any solutions that you need for you and your business. Morning. Morning, how are you? Pretty good. Early start, hey? Uh, we've already been out for quite a while, do you know what I mean? For quite some time. We've been out uh, tapping Burke Trees this morning. All right. Okay, I've seen yeah. a lot of that on on social media recently. What's um what you've been using the birch for? Uh, we're hoping to get a ratio of a hundred to one. We're hoping to end up maybe with a liter of reduced birch sap, like uh, like a syrup, so we can use it somewhere. We're not too sure where, but uh, that's in the first thing. Try and squirrel something away. Do you know what I mean for use on the menu. So, and to obviously keep ourselves out of trouble. Um, with it being minimal going on, you know. Yeah, definitely. And as well as uh, wild garlic, have you got much wild garlic around your way? Loads. <laughs> That's tomorrow. That's tomorrow. Um, we've got the guy who we we have this business with on his in his garden. There's a wheat stream and stuff like that, and there's that. Absolutely acres of the stuff. We've been doing it every year for the past however long anyway. But uh, this year in particular, we're gonna harvest like a whole a whole load and just squirrel it away as wild garlic butter and things like that and wild garlic jug and wild garlic pesto so we can just use it over over both places, you know. Um it, it keeps real nice. Gotta keep it refrigerated, obviously, but uh, and we ferment some, but Laura's uh, not too keen when I ferment everything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah it can be uh, it can be overdone a little bit too much can't it but um still it's all good for you at the end of the day Ooh. so what's your plans for the day i've got interviews in today uh for reopening and yeah that's that's my day pretty much taken up i've got probably the menial task of jet washing the yards that we've got here um and we're slowly working on reopening the place that was our restaurant before uh, that we closed down. So we've got a lot of work to do with that to try and get that open. 
Um, not so much design for me, but uh, more the physical aspect of it. And just got a load of shelves, new shelves to put up in the kitchen, or new old shelves that came out of the old the old kitchen that we left there um, to dot up around the place and um, try and get everything running a little bit. Well, make it a bit easier and a bit slicker. We all like a shelf in the kitchen. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you can't go out, you go up. So we're going to get a few of them in there in the cafe kitchen in particular. We've got our apprentice and um, one of our CDPs in the um, in the kitchen looking after our sort of takeaway food offer this week, you know? So we've been passing that on to them and giving them the, you know, giving certainly Alex the, the control of that. So we're getting a gain out of this period, you know what I mean? Because that will carry on, takeaway will carry on all the, all the way now forever. Yes, what's turned out to be a little bit of like a, a stopgap for people has actually become a bit of, you know, it's, it's another string to the bow, isn't it, really? Very much, yeah. Um, at the start, obviously, you know, we're all stood there wondering what's going on, but then when we started gaining some clarity about how it's going to operate, what we need to do to keep in the public eye and that sort of thing, Um where we started realising that there is a market for for the people who perhaps can't get out. Um, there's a market there for people that that will carry on. Certainly, people perhaps who have got kids and uh, need to organise babysitters to be able to come out. All of a sudden, one example in particular is one of our guests. And they said, "Well, it's great because it, it would cost us 60, 70 quid before we even walk out the door to go out for a meal." But what they can have one of our sort of green man at home things, which is cook along and it's a restaurant standard. Um, and they've expressed that, you know, for them, it's it's an, it's an affordable luxury that they can enjoy more often. So rather than maybe once a month, we might see them four times a month in the, in, in, in the case of taking one of our food packs home. So, you know, there's lots and lots of good and it's, it's really accelerated our thinking um during the first lockdown it's accelerated even more to how we reopen and having time to try and identify all those other small markets that you know if there's a pocket of money there just from that and there's another one there and another one there and we build those into our models it gives us um i don't know a little more support um for when the times are perhaps a bit lean um or you know if if, if the drink side of the pub is down and the food side in the pub is up and then we've still got a takeaway option then that's going to help support us sort of year round so lots of thinking with regards to that and lots of sort of very much expanding on what we do um, as well that involves some sort of capital outlay and that sort of thing but if we do the maths on them correctly which I'm pretty sure we have uh, then there's no particular reason why we shouldn't be because the gains then make us a much stronger business and then we become more of a destination place as well because we're offering everything from ice creams in the cafe to smoothies and shakes and the healthy food option there to a pub environment to a fine dining environment all those things so yeah it is the amount of thinking and what i described very much as nonsense when we were doing all the physical labor during the first lockdown has really sort of come to fruition. We, we would never have had that time to accelerate all those things through. So for us, there's an awful lot of positive to take from it, um, albeit, you know, it's, it's been not easy for all of us at different points during it as well. So, yeah. 
I think that leads me nicely on to, to Pete and Laura to understanding your journey through into hospitality and becoming business owners. And so I, I, don't, I don't know who wants to go first with regards to that, or if you want, both want to sort of tie your stories together, it's, uh, it's entirely up to you. It's largely one story anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're, we're very much um, not the norm in terms of um, a relationship because we've literally spent every day and we might have spent seven days apart once. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. That as well. That was that was a bit, you know, a bit of a bit of a trial. Um, but yeah, we literally every single day work with, alongside, and in each other's pockets, and spending every minute of every social and out of work hour together. So yeah, we're very much not not normal. <laughs> So what 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 was it that got you um got you guys into hospitality or is this something that you've always done since early age? For me personally, I, I was always super creative at school, and um, I always knew I probably wanted to go down more of an art based job, but felt I wasn't quite good enough. And I was my parents were both very keen cooks and used to take us out a lot to eat and it was like that was just a natural progression for me really um because it is really creative um and also my parents said you'll never be out of a job so <laughs> whereas the art world is is quite different yeah yeah definitely so, yeah that's uh, yeah it was a passion for my parents that I then kind of took on my dad was kind of in the trade he had a butcher shop so um, I saw the ins and outs of catering kind of through my dad on a, a second-hand kind of level, so. Um, for me, um, I guess at home economics, I quite liked it at school uh, and probably realised I was quite good at it and combined the two and figured, well, don't really want to do anything else. Um, and I'm quite good at it, so I should go to college. And again, it's just quite a natural thing. There's no huge um you know cooking background in any of any of my family um but yeah i went to college thought about jacking it in after about three weeks thinking why am i back at school stumbled you know struggled through that bit a little bit um because i just had a fantastic summer doing tarmacking um and i had loads of money in my pocket and the sun was out i got a tan i thought this is great and i went to college i thought oh do i really want to do this um but, you know, carried on through it. Um, a good exercise college, but um, learned more on the job. And I think the thing with both of us is that we both started work. Um, we both did the same course, but two years apart and in different places. Um, and I think we both learned possibly more on, on the on. job, hands-on at work <laughs> at the same time. I mean, you know, we both had part-time jobs that took up our weekends and things like that. And, uh, you know, it was, it was a really, 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 really great time. Do you know what I mean? For me, really, really wonderful. Thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, I'm playing huge amounts of rugby at the same time as well. So it wasn't a spare minute in the day, and it was great. Um, and then at some point, I decided to move to Derbyshire to work in a hotel, because I'd never worked in a hotel. Um, and that's where I met Laura. So at Chef's Christmas party. Oh, nice. 
<laughs> say say no more, and that's the end of uh, that's the end of the rugby career as well. And then moving yeah. across the side, <laughs> really. um, and then literally we you know I moved up up to Brentshaw Priory and kind of learned learned what I needed to there, and I was slightly in dead man's shoes. I said, well, we weren't necessarily officially a proper proper item, but I said, well, there's nothing else for me here. Um, I need to move. And uh, we moved to Birmingham and Laura decided to come along with me, um, which was great. And um, spent were we a year, year and a half yeah, there, um, which was at a restaurant. And, you know, that kind of stepped sideways to gain some more experience in a different environment. And then um, after that, we decided to take a pub on with our two best friends. So, and, and they're still going strong and we're all still friends and, there was four of us living above a tenancy, do you know what I mean, um, to, to start our kind of self-employed journey, really, you know? Wow. I mean, what, what, what took you from being in different industries to working in, in hospitality and then suddenly deciding to buy a business or to, to lease a business? What, how did that come about? Wanting to do it for ourselves, and I think... Um, wanting to well i think we took the pub on because it was it was pretty low risk um it was a tenancy and it was the cheapest way of us to kind of learn management skills um and it was just i think we i think we just got to that point where we wanted to work for ourselves we worked under quite a few really good chefs um and it was we it was just just something I think we always wanted to do. Our parents from both sides have had their own, always been self-employed, and I think it was just a natural progression, really, for us. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. I don't know quite where, where else we would have gone. Um, I don't know quite where else we would have gone after that, but it did. It just felt very natural for us to, I don't know, go it, go it alone, if you like, with two other like-minded souls and um and yeah certainly a cheap way for us to start back then um and then from there i think that was it was only ever really a three-year plan for both couples do you know what i mean we, we, we pretty much had some goals set um for it not to be much longer than that because we obviously we'd all be wanting to go off and perhaps do something in a premises that we either owned or you know had more of a more control over the actual building mm. uh, which we both did independently. We moved up. We moved up here to Ashbourne, and Darren and Caroline have stayed firmly down in Essex and, and built themselves a nice little, nice little pub company there with some really great places in and around the same area. Um, so I don't think it's done any of us any harm for sure. Um, and we've learned an awful lot of things by trial and error. So quite a few of them, and lots of shocks and surprises, but. Sometimes learning that stuff firsthand and making those errors, you kind of make sure, <laughs> make certain that you don't make those mistakes again, you know. Um, so yeah, an incredible journey, um, and up to up to where we, where we are now, um, you know. And we had the dining room, which was just myself and Laura and six form six form kids from from the school up the road as uh, the front of the house help. Um, Sort of eighteen seats and from two thousand and one until sort of two thousand fourteen. You know, had some stunning, stunning times there, and and some pretty good sort of accolades. And again, learning all the way and dealing with 
all the finance and all the payroll and doing all those things because you know what it's going to cost us money if someone else has to do it for us mm. you know we were literally every single aspect of the business yeah aspect of the but business it was, it was a tiny little business so it was just the two of us full time and then yeah just part-time teenagers that did us proud as well so yeah and, and, and a good reputation that we built through the school because they were saying, oh, I was saying to their mates who were a year below, oh, you need to go and get a job there. I'll, I'll put you in touch with this constant stream of kids, for want of a better terminology, who were coming into quite an adult and, and pretty serious environment. Do you know what I mean? They got treated like adults amongst us um, and, uh, and 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 learned quite quite a lot, really. Do you know what I mean? Um, they just sort of did a very good job for us all the time, didn't they? Um whether that's partly down to how we operate or whether we just had a good squad, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it was if it was one or two people on a regular basis, that's fine. But if you've got good turnover, I would say it's it's more than just pure luck. Uh, so I, you know, I think credit where credit is due on that front. And so, how many businesses have you got now in total? Uh, at the moment, we've got the Green Man Pub, which was our main investment. Then uh, we also have. Uh, the cafe, which is on the same premises as the Green Man, which is, um, that's a different slant. So that's very healthy, lots of vegan, vegetarian, uh, all made in-house. And then we've also reacquired our property, which was the dining room. And so there's plans afoot to change that into uh, an informal bar with uh, charcuterie and cheese, uh, kind yeah. of, yeah, and that's about as far as we've got with it at the moment. Well, <laughs> I've, I've, got, I've you... got some interior design ideas, but I need budget, so. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Small budget. <laughs> 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 Looks like we're off to Ikea then, hey? <laughs> yeah. But then there's the hotel rooms, so the Green Man's an old coaching in, and um, all the room, all the ho old hotel rooms are done up to first fix. Well, obviously, that all got stopped. <laughs> Um, and directly above where the pub is, um, there's the old ballroom there, um, which has been used for an e-commerce business that's been growing and growing. Well, they're finally sort of moving out, so there's potential there for the function room perhaps to come back to back to its former glory in some shape or another. But uh, there's a lot of obviously planning issues and stuff like that because we're grade two listed and there's a lot of the building um so we've got some hurdles to get over there but uh, there's plans afoot for that and to try and try and take some sort of you know some function and speaker dinners and all those sorts of things everything used to happen here in this building um and uh you know it's fell upon a few hard times and that sort of thing colin and Anne, who, who are our business partners they bought the whole building there's a Anne's clothes shop is in in the same complex, um, and then there's been a slow but sure redevelopment of the whole building, um, which might be coming on a bit quicker now, which is a bit daunting. But still, um, I'm sure we can cope. Yeah, these things are set to. Uh, I call them stretch points. You know, when stress uh, stress isn't you stress, so when it's a good good thing and it allows us to grow and develop, then I think. Uh, yeah, as you guys were saying at the beginning, sometimes you have to learn from learn from mistakes and learn from situations. And so this is just a, a stretching phase. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's another polite way of saying, oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, we've done a lot of that. <laughs> so, I mean, you guys contacted me after listening to the podcast and, and you know, your, your kind words of support for the podcast as well. And so I'm intrigued. Like, what, what does the subject of mental health mean to you both? An awful lot. Um, I was uh, seven years ago, just recently, um, I went in for emergency surgery that um, ended up being extremely traumatic. Um, one hour to one and a half hour surgery ended up in seven hours of surgery. Um, a huge amount of recovery time and which then brought on... Catch the chase, you yeah. died lots of yeah. times. Yeah, so my heart stopped several <laughs> times in operation. Uh, I then went on to have uh, PTSD, anxiety, uh, the whole kit and caboodle from going from a chef that was, uh, you know, really able to cope with stress, everyday stress, the hits of uh, service, et cetera, et cetera, to being pretty broke, very broken. Um, probably had about, after the operation, I probably had about six months off, which I went on to tablets for depression and my PTSD. Um, and and it was just different types of And different types of to see which was going to work. I had some pretty bad reactions to some of the medication they put me on um and it was just uh learning from that and really understanding mental health um I feel that it's just taught me so much having been in it having seen people before and how it's affected them but actually when it affects you you have such an understanding and such a a lot, more, a lot more empathy empathy for people that suffer with mental health issues um it's yeah it, it it's it's definitely changed me as a person without a shadow of a doubt just and i found it hard to understand how just this one incident literally flipped a switch and changed me from being a very bubbly person that loved working front of house, loved seeing the customers. To not being wanting to, saying, I just can't come downstairs tonight. We're going to have to get someone else in. I cannot be there. I just can't do it. And that, that was, that was absolutely such an eye opener. It was unreal. Unreal for me to try and, think that law is not law or that she was. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, it, was, it was ever so, ever so sort of, uh, ever so difficult, really, when you choose to look, choose to look back yeah. at it. <laughs> you know, mm. really, really hard. Must have been tough to tough to adjust because, I mean, Laura, obviously you're, you're dealing with something that you're not familiar with. And, and at the same time, Pete, you're, you're suddenly having to adjust, you know, to this sudden change of behaviour. And, I mean... It was mental. The tools, Sorry, the tools are so so interlinked with the, with with the business that we had as well. It was like there was never one without the other. And then obviously Pete had to not only start doing 
start doing the wine list. <laughs> so, uh, sorry, I've lost my train sorry. Um, <laughs> um, Yeah, not only did he have more pressure with work, but also more pressure kind of looking, af looking after me as well. And um, after a while, I started, I decided I've got to do something about this. So uh, at the time, I went in for the emergency surgery. I was actually training for a pretty tough marathon in uh, Galway, in, in Ireland. So we were super fit. We were going out training three, four times a week. Um, and then all of a sudden, to go from being super fit, uh, really a real Pardon. strong person, to then having it all kind of taken away it was such a hard thing to get my head around and that's when I started to research into it um, into PTSD anxiety and kind of really fully understand that it was going to be I was probably going to have to deal with this for the rest of my life and it wasn't just oh I'm better now I can come off the tablets and it was going to be and it was just accepting that really I guess. For me, that's quite a big part of it that is we still see the waves of when, you know, I, I've learned to probably notice in Laura where those waves are coming just from knowing what workload is, but also how it is at home, um, you know, just general body language. Do you know what I mean? If, if Laura starts bearing her head, you know, right down into one job, and won't be distracted from it. For me, that's nearly a little bit of a signal for us to go. All right, let's just let's just slow it down a little bit. But um, I know I, I notice it as well with both of our traits now and before. We knew at some point we'd have to be giving up some of relinquishing control of aspects of our business to what we class as our number ones. Our sort of you know, generals or lieutenants are second in commands to us. Um, but I think that the control, what I see in, in Laura's traits since then, is that that control is even harder to give up. Well, Do you know what I mean? Was before, yeah. And we have to sort of, the managing of it comes in sort of so, so many forms, but the, the, the thing that we kind of know is that if I actually mentioned to Laura, you know what, it's all getting a bit much, it's all getting a bit obsessive. Do you know what I mean? You've got to start giving this stuff up. You can't be in control like it was an 18-seat restaurant. This is far bigger than that, and there's two of them. You know, we've got to, we've got to keep working on those, you know, relinquishing control, giving people the 90% the to do and you check the 10% kind of mentality. Um, because we need to do that to both enable our staff, but primarily to, to make sure that we still function and, uh, and, and uh, you know, that the law is in the best shape mentally as possible. So, you know, those things are very, 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 very key to everything. Yeah, and putting coping strategies in place. Um, predominantly now, um, I am quite... I find it easier to control it um, most of the time. I think with COVID and everything, it has heightened, definitely heightened my anxiety. 
through no reason than just it's because it's out of my control mm. and I like being in control and so yeah I found that quite difficult but then on the other hand I take lots of positives out but as well as in it has really opened my eyes up to mental health and I was very understanding before but I think because of the coping strategies that I've kind of put in place for myself I can then see the signs of staff and also um, and, and help them we have a, a young lady that works for us with bipolar and um, she was only diagnosed maybe a year and a half mm. ago mm. and it's the coping mechanism that we try and portray through just just to, just to everyone though, yeah. isn't it Do you know what I'm, I mean? I'm open I'm very open about uh, my problems and I would say to my staff look you know if you're feeling if you're not feeling great today tell us so we're aware of how you're feeling and then we can help you rather than rather than be a day that turns to absolute shit do you know what i mean we can say right well let's just take let's relieve a little pressure off there we can even take bring it into the kitchen at the pub and say let's just do this do you know what i mean we can swap someone around and and in terms of our staff and their their responsibility and their accountability of their day's work it is it's to say right well you know what I'm not feeling too great today not not i mean oh i've got the sniffles but you know, I'm not feeling too great mentally today. Uh, right, that's fine. We'll see how we go. And all we've got to do is just pop around with their permission. So, right, this person is not having a particularly brilliant day. Do you know what I mean? Maybe the dog's, you know, the dog's chewed up the sofa and whatever, and the car's broken down. It could be anything like that. Or it can be, you know, of, of someone with, with, with a mental health issue. Whatever, they, they, they should be coming to sound like a bit of a shit morning. We go, right, well, let's just look at it. Let's just try and... Let's try and structure your day a little bit to try and ease that, so we don't get to a point where we're hitting hitting the bottom. Yeah, that's the big part of it. Um, and it's about how the whole team kind of reacts around around that, that as yeah. well. Because if everybody's in the night, we, we try to get people to be quite open about mental health issues. Um, because I think the more you talk about it, the more it's understood. And it's not necessarily when you are in a real bad headspace, it doesn't seem like it's the best thing to do sometimes, I guess. But um, just to make everybody aware and just not to relieve have that, pressure. Yeah, not to have that embarrassment as well, I think. About how have you found your staff been with that in terms of trying to implement a culture that promotes? you know, just open discussions around this particular subject? I think just from when we, well, even when we first took on, uh, we had the cafe kind of gifted to us from our business partner. And there was such a bad, um, people were treated pretty poorly. Uh, mental health issues were mocked. And Peter kind of said to me, right, you need to tell these two guys that were then running the cafe about you and that they saw it as a sign of weakness um, and it was only weak people. But then they're not there anymore. Yeah. So, um, you know what I mean? And I, I'd actually told them what had happened to me and I was like, this is, it's heartbreaking. Like, you just can't, you can't see it though. It's, 
it's yeah, it, was, it wasn't ever such a good, a good, a good space and time when we took it on. Um, and we had a lot of issues with staff. Yeah, when, that, when we took that place on, that probably probably stemmed largely from a, a very unsympathetic way of, of running the business. Um, so, in terms of where we are, and, and a lot of the staff, well, not a lot of the staff, a couple of the key staff are still are still with us, and that every opportunity is made available to them and then to everyone who works for us too. You know, hell we've all we've all we've all had wobbles. Yeah. Mine mine normally manifest themselves during this COVID period of me swearing and shouting a lot and probably throwing some inanimate object around in the yard. Whereas it manifests itself somewhat differently in other people and perhaps a bit longer as well. But I think everyone needs to have um, that person they can go to. Um, and the, there's almost like the same open house policy for us that we have in our kitchens that, um, you know, that we allow anyone who, anyone front of the house wants to come and work in the kitchen, they can, of course. Um, but also that same open house policy on being able to sort of collar one of us, whoever it is, and, you know, sort of put their hand up or, you know, raise a flag and say, look, you know what, not going quite so well for me at the moment. It's like, well, what can we do? And some of the things that I've that I've learned through um, certainly with law and the anxiety, um, obviously the depression I can't I can't particularly speak for, but um, knowing the anxiety and, and, and the pressure that, that that Laura subsequently wasn't able to cope with is there's an awful lot of things that, that I think the industry does do very well in terms of our organisation our planning, ordering, menus, blah, 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 that we try and make the workspace a safe place for them that hasn't got the chaos that sometimes triggers the anxiety. It's, the, it's oh, I went in to get me shopping for dinner tonight and I've come out with a four packs of bubble gum and a Hello magazine. You know, I didn't go in for them. You know, I've come out with me dinner and a whole load of other stuff. Um, we try and make that workplace, you know, the neat, tidy, organised place where everyone knows what the expectation levels are um, and they know what their job needs to be and that that can almost act as their step away from perhaps their life or their mild levels of anxiety or their depression or something. Do you know what I mean? It gives them an opportunity perhaps to, one, you know, maybe feel, certainly feel valued Two, to almost be able to switch off um, a little bit. And, you know, by the time we sort of combine that with hopefully a fairly joyous uh, workplace and somewhere where we obviously take everything seriously work-wise, but we try, and, we try and do it with a smile and try and find as much joy in everything that we do, uh, be it jet washing the yard or tapping birch trees or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? We try and find massive joy. Yeah. In the most mundane of tasks, which for me, if I you know if I could walk into a healthy environment that felt like that, I, I wouldn't be worried that the dogs just ate the sofa maybe quite so much, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an environment where you feel comfortable about expressing yourself, and it leads. It leads. Uh, have either of you two seen the health and safety executives' um, sort of core principles of management? No, not as a not as an actual thing. No, it's <laughs> no, fine. I mean, to be honest with you, it was something that I I've only come across through a diploma that I'm doing. But um, they talk about sort of six key pillars to producing an environment whereby 
uh, well-being is is uh, highly focused and those those things are things like your role like having a clearly defined role within the business understanding what your duties are but also understanding how they benefit not just the people around you but benefit the business there's other things such as control as well so having control over your day and and how you um, work and in which manner you work and how you get things done and then there's other things such as relationships um, and there's there's a whole load of different different sort of pillars which I think what you're saying about that there is that you guys are sort of like hitting each of these points to provide a, a safe working environment where people can, you know, allows them not just to come to work and earn money, but actually allows them a, an environment where they can gain some perspective on things as well and and take control over their, their life without having to feel like they're, they're just signing themselves over to you for eight, nine hours. Yeah, well, you know, the, we we try to set every single working day up so that everyone has clarity of what they need to do. Um, and that we're at a point where I think everyone knows that they've got every opportunity to come in and complete their tasks to the best of their abilities without all the, without, without any level of a kerfuffle. Do you know what I mean? They know they can get the job done. They've only got to turn up for work on time, change ready with, with, with the right attitude to walk into the kitchen. Do you know what I mean? Without us having to go, Oh, come on, you guys, you can't leave the kitchen like this. This is mine and Laura's and whatever's investment in this. Come on, treat it correctly. We want them to do that automatically. Do you know what I mean? Because they feel ownership of it and that they're left to be able to get on with their jobs and have the input that they want. You know, if a, if a very junior chef comes up to me and says, oh, oh I, I saw this on the telly the other day, can we make it? Yeah, absolutely. Write it down, spec it out. I'll help you spec it out. And we'll make it and we'll try try as a special at the cafe. Absolutely. Someone who's higher up the ladder comes to me and says, oh, can we put banana bread on? I'll be right, well, it better be something special, mate, and you better have it specked out and costed, and it better be going with something really weird, perhaps. Do you know what I mean? Because I'm not expecting you to come to me with banana bread. I'm expecting you to come to me with finished dish. The, the finished dish, costed, specked, and it's going to fit our remit for what we require for the menu. So everyone's got that capability and that every single learning mechanism is there in place. Um, they just need to sort of come in and, and act on it. Um, one of the biggest things that, that, that we find as well is that, you know, what I class as kind of playtime or whether it's create creativity or innovation, you kind of have to earn the time to be able to do it. So you've got to come in and get all your building blocks done and make sure you're functioning at service for the core items that we've got. And if you want to do that, you can, no problem at all. We'll give you a budget to do it or whatever it is. We'll give you a time frame for it. We'll help you with it if you need it. But you've got to, you've got to be really brilliant at the core principles of what we do first to be able to make that time to do that thing. Do you know what I mean? And, and, and that's also very key from their perspective because they get to feel a bit of ownership about it. It's things. engagement as well. Um, I think... Maybe the reasons, one by one, the reasons maybe were why uh, I wanted to be self-employed was, I think, sometimes maybe the way people were treated or pushed out of jobs, etc. Um, I was like, I think I can be better. I think, and I think that pushed me. And I wanted to, I wanted to be that um employer that kind of 
we had a really good strong team and that people were properly looked after as well I guess and motivated and um, given the freedom as well and it not being super controlled and there's one, there's one there's one thing in my history that was possibly the most demotivating thing ever we were told we could we could create some dishes to go on a new menu at one place that we worked at and uh you know we came up with several different things and you know we plated them up and cooked them and all the rest of it and it was like yeah great all the rest of it and they said well that's fantastic we put a couple on then they asked us again a few months later for some more things and we said, yeah, but we got told summarily, you can do this, but just remember it's my name on the menu. And I thought, I thought, you tosser. Do you know what I mean? I thought, really? I thought there's probably between myself and Laura, there was probably five or six dishes that went onto a fairly lengthy card. Do you know what I mean? Menu. And the next time that came around, it was like, yeah, but just remember, it's my name on the menu. And I thought, you twat. And this is the same guy who had carbon copied recipes from another book, a very well-known chef's book, uh, very classic. And when we started there, we thought, crikey, this guy's brilliant. Do you know what I mean? And then so, when- Yeah, you're always learning, so- I Oh, that was such a negative though. So it was everything yeah. that, that, about us working for ourselves is, we don't want to be that way inclined with anything. Do you know what I mean? It's an open- Yeah, and everybody should be given the opportunity to thrive, it doesn't matter, you know, we, we take care of everybody exactly the same. It doesn't matter if you're just a part-time person that just comes in at the weekend, or, you know, pot, the, the guys at the pot wash for us, they do such a fantastic job and without them. So we give yeah. equal, and there's, no, there's nothing I love more than a really great service. And just, um, after after clear down, grouping together and us all chatting about it at the end of service, and every you know when everybody has that feeling of that and, buzz about it, it's, that's unreplaceable. That is, I love, yeah, that's a great feeling. That sort of buzz of a good service that actually is. Yeah. You struggle to get to sleep afterwards because you yeah. enjoyed it so much. Yeah. I know, which, you know, in turn isn't great for your well-being because you're not able to sleep, but also at the same time, like, it's a good thing and it makes you excited yeah. to go back to work and try again, doesn't it, really? So yeah. that's amazing. And so in terms of, like, the the, the main sort of well-being uh, guidelines or well-being pillars that you sort of implement for yourself and also, you know, potentially for your staff as well, what what are the sort of top, top two or three things that you would recommend? Uh, so... Uh... From a personal point of view, and we try and relate to the stuff as you need your time away from work. Exercise, I think, is super key, whether it's just going out for a walk. We live just outside the Peak District, so while we've had all this time off, we've been taking groups of us out into the middle of nowhere where we won't see... Social distance. Social distance, of course, where we won't see anybody else. And it's getting the guys out of there and, you know, oh, isn't this a great place? Uh, you know, are we lucky to be here because it's like right on our doorstep but then in the morning Pete does uh, early morning yoga with uh, the staff and also some of, them some who of our get staff up, who want to get up early yeah. uh, 
So it's, it's bits and pieces like that. And then uh, Pete and I have had a, uh, a friend of a, or a friend of a friend called Andy Watt, who's our life coach, and we started using him. As an, as an external source. As an, yeah, uh, for us personally, about five or six years ago. And we found him to be of great help to us, huge help, oh, just opening our eyes up even more uh, to what we kind of already knew. But so we've now, um, we've now uh, taken Andy uh, and given our two top guys front of house um, some time with him to chat and discuss about their future. Uh, it started off, I, we try and do appraisals once a year. And I'd, it was the first time I got around to doing appraisals really well. So everybody's with me for about two or three hours. And that is such an eye-opening thing because we have questions that kind of, they really have to think about. Um, and that was really, really insightful. I, I can fully say that I do believe appraisals are a really productive. Yeah, that's been part of that thing that gives them an opportunity to voice things where they want to go progression so they don't feel like stuck in a dead-end job. So there's always somewhere for them to go to yeah. and to highlight that to, and, and progression. And progression for staff is virtually as important as actually making sure we've got a job for them. Because if they're in, if they're in this environment where we're trying to look after them, give them first-hand advice. Do you know what I mean about coping strategies and mechanisms from from Laura's perspective, or maybe it's coming from me to one of their partners. Do you know what I mean to someone who's maybe suffering a bit to talk to them about how to try and cope with, with a partner who's, who's, who's suffering a bit. Um, so, you know, those, those things of openness, progression, um, and, and just advice. I mean, we're very much hands-on. We're not sat here planning on, you know, where our second home's going to be or anything like that, or, oh, yeah, you know, we're going to do our kitchen up at home because we're going to be spending so much time there. Um, because we're not going to be at work, we're not. We're not those guys. So the fact that we're always around, do you know what I mean? And just checking in on people and um, to make sure that they're all right and that they're sorted. Not just to get the job done, but they're they're going to be all right for tomorrow. Which marginally looks a little selfish, but ultimately that's we are a business and we want to maintain maintain the workforce really by by looking after them. Um, behind that, there is a a very sensitive side to that as well but you know but it's yeah i mean at the end of the day it's a symbiotic relationship isn't it because without people your business doesn't operate and without the business people don't have work <laughs> so the two have to work together otherwise something's got to give at some stage yeah and we're just trying to make sure that, that there's something give there's something that's going to give is slowed down perhaps in the first instance do you know what i mean um slowed down and repaired and and fixed as best as we can you know what i mean to stop it becoming the worst kind of uh the worst kind of break do you know what i mean Which is ultimately someone going oh i can't cope with this i'm off do you know what i mean um none of us want that for for the staff members either bear in mind anyone who works for us now 
they're here for good reason. They're here because they've gone through an interview process where we have, you know, asked them lots of searching questions and certainly to some some levels of staff, they've maybe questioned, why are we asking you that? Do you know what I mean? Well, we're asking you that because we know we can teach you the fundamentals and some things, but if you're not in the right head, same headspace as we all are about what our roles are, then maybe we can tweak that and we can still bring you in. Do you know what I mean? To work with us, but you need to understand what we work in. And it's very much accountable for ourselves. Every member of staff is as well. And they're accountable for the other guys, the guy who's coming in tomorrow, the guy who's, the guy who's going to cover you when you're on holiday kind of thing. So mm. there's a lot of responsibility for our guys, isn't there? Yeah. Um, and we, we've tried to breed such a strong team ethos um, so there's no front and front and back of house divide. There's no divide between our cafe and our pub. So we get people working at both. So there's not this old school divide. Yeah. <laughs> Them and us, hey? Yeah. And just having that fluidity. I think it's made for like a really good, happy yeah. team. Yeah, we will there are always struggles, but that that's that's life. And I think um I think the way we've learned along the way it, 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 this just seems the best, we think the best way to run a team and to get yeah. the best, the productivity out of them, their um, self-happiness and... And bringing um, some loyalty towards towards this as a complex and what we do. It's not, it's not a loyalty to myself and Laura. It's a loyalty to, to everyone else who works here. Do you know what I mean? We're not... Mm stood at the top of a tree going, I'm not cleaning toilets. We're, we're in amongst it with everyone sort of all day long. Um, and hopefully, you know, that's reflected in it. Um, we kept in touch with all our guys through the lockdowns and gave them loads of information of sort of more behind the scenes stuff and teaching them some of the time efficiencies and, um, and what that reflects in terms of hours worked when we're doing service at the cafe and, you know, all sorts of gross profit percentage things and what that means over the course of the year. So, you know, they're, they're, they're actually furnished with all the information on a regular basis of what their expectation is. And I think that that's one of the biggest. If you walk in, you know you've got to move five tonne of stone with a wheelbarrow from here to there, and you know that's all you've got to do that day. Then if you achieve that that day, what a great feeling. Do you know what I mean? And that, yeah. that, that's the aim for, isn't it? A neat, tidy. We've achieved everything we need to do. We're not leaving anyone in shit, and and we've done the job really well, you know, and on time, which and is yeah, it's a key thing. It's it's um, something I, I when I was managing, I used to implement for my staff with smart objectives. So I don't know if you've come across smart objectives before. Yeah. So and then it's all about clarity and time frame and giving people everything they need. To know about how they're supposed to achieve that job is it something like that yeah so it's 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 based around what the situation is how that how it's going to be measured what the reality of the situation how they're actually going to achieve it and what sort of time frame they're going to be able to do it and so by setting a, an objective around smart objectives it allows you to 
one not dictate to the members of staff what their goal is and what their what their task is and how they're going to you know how they're going to do it it's a conversation whereby together you can come up with it and it allows them a sense of ownership but it also puts in time scales it puts in what you know what the potential pitfalls of that is so that you can start to get the cognitive th- functions working through uh, and it's a very reciprocal it's you know it's a two-way street but it it just you know for things like appraisals and and you know I, i'm a, a firm believer that appraisals should be done depending on your size of the team sort of quarterly if they can be or even you know if it's a smaller team even monthly but these smart objectives can always be implemented and then you can track back and it allows again that member of staff to go oh you know these these guys do care about where i'm going and what i'm doing and how i'm doing it we have um we have a system in place for what we class as the perhaps extracurricular, the outside of the normal working day type things, um, that's, that's been nicknamed the radar. Um, because if it's on the radar, we should be getting it done kind of thing. Um, but we keep readdressing those and assigning those to people and assigning timeframes on getting these things done. And we've been doing that all the way through lockdown. I mean, we've been digging drains and things like that here. Um, amongst that and decorating the whole place and then we're about to do it all again you know what I mean outside that sort of thing so you know a lot of those things for us they happen on that sort of on that weekly basis and sometimes daily um so we know what the structure of our day is because that's mapped out when our when our regular sort of deadlines as well uh, a lot of those are there and we assign them to, to to different people to get on with you know what I mean knowing that yeah, I need that for a week. Otherwise, you know, if it's not done by that time, we still have to have had it done. And then maybe you won't get the engagement that you'd like out of it, whether it's a cocktail, whether it's a new coffee, whether it's a new infusion of tea or something at the cafe, whatever it is. Uh, and to open those up and handing these radars out to people for their extracurricular stuff, which they can do in their work time and not ask them to take it home. But then that's the things that then give them the ownership. So, yeah, I think some of those without using the actual the actual smart word, you know what I mean? A lot of those things actually take place quite a lot, which has given us lots of focus um, throughout lockdown when, you know, oh, well, there's nothing to do. We'll just spend another hour in bed or whatever. It's like, no, we've got to be getting up and, and naming these things just for our own sanity. But it's all going to get very real fairly soon because we're opening up for real next i think you know what i mean yeah well it's not not long to go I mean, by the time this episode airs i think we might actually have had a full relaunch as well in may um so you know at this stage the sun will be out by the time you guys hear this it'll yeah. be you know you'll be absolutely you know, queues out cues out the door you're starting yeah. buzzing to be back so uh Hopefully. <laughs> I know. you can't even imagine it now in march can you but hey it's uh it's not sun's it's out, own... sun's out here today. Yeah, I was gonna say the sun's <laughs> out and the clocks clocks change, don't they, on Saturday night. So Yeah, yeah, they do. It's I mean it's all going well. <laughs> Obviously rugby's not on. I'm not playing rugby myself at the moment, so I was taken to playing tennis in the evening. So me and a mate of mine are very much looking forward to the clocks going back so we can play a little bit more tennis before rugby uh, reappears. Yeah, I don't play rugby anymore. I'm, <laughs> I'm too old. I give it up about seven years ago. <laughs> It started hurting. I went from being able to, you know, go to work in the morning, play rugby in the afternoon, and back at work for years and years and years and years and years. And, years. and then it was like, yeah, now I'm just going to stop this now. 
<laughs> Especially, I think, in your I mean, no offence, but you don't look like a winger, Peter, so... <laughs> <laughs> I'm that I'm that old. I'm, I, I was I was reasonably reasonably well heighted for uh, for rugby as a second row. I was six foot three and a half. That's how that's how long I, long ago I played. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's a great sport. I, I mean, the one thing that I've always always said is that we should perhaps get a charity rugby match for for chefs to play. I think it would be an absolutely fantastic way to <laughs> exhibit camaraderie and take out a little bit of aggression. Yeah, yeah, I, I might have to, might have to do a bit of training. <laughs> now, you, now you actually got me thinking about you know who I want on my side. I think I might might put a team together. You know, what I mean? I'll do a little bit of research. Just trying to think who's angry and little to be a hooker. Do you know That's, what I mean? This is the thing, though. Rugby. I mean, there's a lot of similes between rugby or the military or the or hospitality in the respect that it takes all types of people to be able to play the game. And you know, like for example, I'm I'm not exactly you know a 16 stone built muscle. Yeah, five eleven. I'm not the biggest player, but I had a role within that, and I felt like I fit within that that particular team. Um, and if that my role to play, you know without me there, you know, that role wasn't, wasn't going to be filled. So I think it's, there's a lot of similes and I think it's a, it would be a good sport to be able to try and get people into providing obviously mm-hmm. they can get Saturday off. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What, a couple of those things were going from having just the kids and myself and Laura and, and then into a position where we're employing people. It's um, we're using a lot of things to try and, um, let different staff members' attributes sort of rub off on other people. Do you know what I mean? I know not everyone is quite so um, perhaps excitable or as um, gung-ho as I might be about, oh, yeah, it's fine, let's just clean the kitchen. Do you know what I mean? Come on, let's get on with it now. Let's do it now. Everyone has to do it later on. Not everyone's quite as excited about those things as perhaps I get. But to try and let those, let those attributes rub off on me, I think is quite a, quite a, quite a beneficial thing, but also understanding that yeah, that also not everyone is quite as excitable about that, and they go about their work in slightly different ways. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's been quite a big learning curve for me um, to notice. Yeah, someone will just we've got a guy who works for us called Captain, um, and he started off with us as a pot wash, um, and he's now now going to college. Um, he's the sort of guy that will just he knows both kitchens here inside out. He knows more about it than I do. Um, and he will just, just ask him to do, do, do certain things for you. And he'll quietly just saunter about and do them without any noise or fuss. And he'll just get them done. With, do you know what I mean? Without any bother. Do you know what I mean? Where someone else will go, yeah, yeah, I'll come and I'll do that right now. And they'll be super excited about it. They'll still get it done. But, you know, sometimes I need to realise there's, there's a bunch of different ways to skin the cat, do you know what I mean? And yeah, that yeah. everyone has those slightly more calming influences. Some people are a bit excitable, um, you know, and, and just the realisation of that and what makes people tick is um, is quite a big thing. Do you know what I mean? We know that someone's going to, they're just going to get it done. It's not going to be a problem. Someone else you might have to ask a couple of times, but, you know, um, they'll still get the job done. So Courses for courses, isn't it, really, at the end of the day? Yeah. So I'm in a very rare privilege to be able to um, ask this question and get two different responses. So as you guys know, obviously, a bit having listened to the podcast before, 
I asked all my guests um, what advice they would give to an 18-year-old version of themselves. So, Laura, if you if you wanted to start with that. Don't look at me. <laughs> um, believe in yourself. Yeah, I think never underestimate. Never, as a young chef, I think I underestimated myself quite a bit, being usually the only female within the kitchen. Um, and push and it's the want to learn um that's what i'd say to a young me is just keep pushing because you will get there and don't feel yeah um trust in yourself as well i guess definitely definitely and peter uh i first of all i wouldn't change anything that i did but i Back when rugby was amateur, I might have been a bit close to perhaps being able to make it a career when it wasn't a career. Do you know what I mean? I might have been able to make a living out of it. Wasn't quite good enough. So I had cooking as my fallback. Do you know what I mean? It was like, well, if that doesn't work out, then I can always cook. Um, and I wouldn't change that. But if there was one thing perhaps I might have liked to have done, I might have, if I was saying this to me now, you're not tall enough, you're not going to make it. Um, go and get yourself into the world's best kitchen, come hook or by crook. Because we've learned everything that we've learned, pretty much we've learned ourselves. And I kind of think to myself, looking back, I don't like I don't regret any of it. But I think to myself, well, I'm 46 now and we're doing this. Could I have done it 10 years earlier? Do you know what I mean? Could I be 35 and doing this now? Mm. With all that still in front of me, I still look at all that in front of me as being exciting and everything else anyway. Do you know what I mean? But I think, oh, I could just be 10 years ahead, but then I wouldn't have met long. Yeah, well, the universe has a, has a weird way of putting us on our past, doesn't it, really? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I really appreciate the time that you guys have, have freed up. I appreciate that. I know, obviously, Laura, you've got a whole a whole day of interviews to to replenish the team now. So, um, yeah, hopefully this this I don't know if this will have any bearing on that, but um, it will certainly be good for your staff to be able to listen to when it comes out in May as well. So, I really appreciate it, and thank you very much for your point of views. As well. we have, yeah, we have been sharing all the podcasts, and we've been well, the guys have been listening to them in the morning when they've been doing their yoga. So, yeah, it's it's been a great help for us. And uh, yeah, what you're doing, it's yeah, it's a great thing for uh, the catering trade as a whole. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Just, just trying to make sure that no one else suffers in silence because at the end of the day, it's something that more of us have than don't. Um, yeah. And so I think with that, if we can start to create a culture where within hospitality as the leader in this field, when it comes down to the subject of mental health, then we're helping three million plus people. Um, you know, and if you if you're looking at the stats, okay, so perhaps not 3.2 million, but if you're looking at say, conservatively, I mean, based on ours, 80% of people have mental health illnesses, but let's say you know half of those, that's still 1.5, 1.6 million people that we could aid. Um, so thank you for speaking so openly about your own experiences, and and you know keep spreading the word, and and hopefully the more people that know about this and this topic, then the the better the industry can be as a whole. Thanks, Chris. Great. Yeah, thank you ever so much. No problem. Have a lovely day, won't you? And thank you. you. Bye. Cheers, guys. Bye. 
I really hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Burnt Chef Journal. If you wanted to learn more about the Burnt Chef Project, head over to our website, www.theburntchefproject.com, where you'll find a whole host of resources and information relating to well-being and mental health within hospitality. Whilst you're there, why not visit our shop and support us by purchasing some branded merchandise, which we then use the profits to fund our ongoing work in destigmatizing mental health within the hospitality industry. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you again next week.